stop and consider for a second that the grave is still empty and what that would look like today. How would Easter go across? I'm not too sure. On Good Friday, I was able to speak. Thanks for those who joined us uh, online or in person at uh, McDermott for the, uh, the multi-church um, session. And I started by basically saying, you know, it's kind of funny the difference between Christmas and Easter. Christmas, Christmas um, is at the beginning of Jesus' lifetime, and, and Easter is at the, the end of Jesus' life ministry, and, and Christmas, Christmas starts with a celebration, goes to a trial. Easter starts with a trial, goes to a celebration, and, and there is something about the difference between Christmas and Easter and the fact that Easter is a time where you actually get to reflect, you, you actually get to take a look at a deeper level of how important what this event meant for us as Christians. And Jesus died and he rose again, proving that even death did not have the authority to keep him in the grave. And what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you as you sit here? Perhaps you were at home and you're you're contemplating it all. You're trying to take it all in. It means all of a sudden we have access. It means all of a sudden there is an opportunity for us where there wasn't an opportunity before. An opportunity to actually have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. And it's pretty mind-blowing if you stop and consider what that's all about. I have one passage of scripture that I wanted to do to highlight the morning and it was it's written by Peter as he's talking to the brand new Christian church and he says this in first Peter chapter one the very first part of the book he says this blessed be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Whatever the differences are between Christmas and Easter, I think that there's a commonality as well. That the same things we celebrate at Christmas are automatically the same things that we celebrate at Easter. And there's a number of them, but I wanted to highlight three of them. I'm calling them the three pillars of Easter. They're three core issues. They're three truths, three certainties, three things that you can, can take to the bank. And they will always be there no matter what you are going through, no matter what is happening in your life. And you might be sitting here, and this has been the best year for you. Everything has gone well your job, you've gotten the promotion, everything has, everything has just landed on uh, your feet. Or maybe this is a year where it has been the toughest. And you're sitting here at Easter and you're saying, I'm here. But there's a hole in my heart because there's a number of things which are going on. Because of Easter, you can hang on to these three things that will lift you up. These three things that will be, be uh, uh, there that adds to your life no matter what is going on, the natural byproducts of Easter. And they will be the mainstays of your life. They will be the thing that will mature you in Jesus. And they'll be the thing that will ultimately make your faith attractive to other people. And so God, I just pray that as we talk about these three pillars, that your presence will be with us.
because it was a crazy, awesome love that caused you to do what you did, and we are so thankful for it. And many times during the year, we take for granted the grace of God. We take for granted the power of God. We take for granted uh, the hope that we have in you. But Lord, as we just focus on it today, I pray, Father, that you will bless your people. And for that person or those people who are listening for the first time, Lord, interject the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through this message this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But talking about the pillar of the gratitude of gratitude, and uh, this morning Pastor Mike kind of started it that way, and that was my first thought when I started getting stuff ready as well, that Christmas, the emphasis is kind of a great gift, and Good Friday that we had on Friday, the emphasis was kind of a grueling sacrifice that none of us would want to have to go through on someone else's behalf, and the emphasis of Easter is a very significant victory that often I think we kind of just glaze over. Because uh, a lot of focus is put on Good Friday and getting together with a group of people and all that kind of thing. And, and then Sunday comes and we celebrate and we go out and have, how many people are going out for lunch or having somebody over for lunch today? Uh, a few hands shot up pretty quick. Yep, we're getting an Easter meal. We had our turkey last night. The poor turkeys get suffering at Thanksgiving and suffering at Easter. But uh, when you think of Easter, you think of uh, down and out. Three strikes, it's over. You're kind of at a place in life where it's just, there's no hope. I can imagine a few people went to the tomb on various times and said, is he really gone? Is it really over? It was such a good ride. We thought he was going to be the king, but he wasn't. And yet the scripture tells us a very different story. And I think Paul says it best in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 54. And I'll read it, and then I might preach it a little bit. We'll see how it goes here. Starting at verse 15, it says that I should have highlighted it a little better in my Bible. It says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you read it and you listen to it, but I can kind of imagine Paul, and I can't imagine what God really wants us to be like. And God really wants us just to kind of like, yeah, come on. Where's your sting? Come on, that all you got? Is that it? Death, where is your victory? You haven't won. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And I'm grateful for that this morning because no matter what my life looks like today, right now, or in the distant future, or in the near future, or the valley of shadow of death that I need to walk through, God has won. The victory is mine. We are there. And I imagine the movie, if you've seen it, Braveheart, where he runs across at all the people, and he, freedom! I can just imagine the body of Jesus Christ at the resurrection of our lives, of our bodies, running across the stage of heaven singing, victory! Victory! We won! Paul also says it in 1 Corinthians 5, um, verse 15. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And the challenge this morning is to be thankful, to be grat have gratitude for the gift that God has given. There's something about the value of a gift that says something about the giver, and it also says something about the recipient. For the giver, it, it says something about their generosity, right? 
And for the recipient, it says that you were thought of and you were valued. Somebody thought of you to get you a gift for some reason, whatever it might be. And they saw that in you. Your worth is not your value of where you live, where you grew up, how much money you have, what clothes you have, how you interact with people. The value that's placed on your life is the value that the very creator of the universe sent his only begotten son to die on a cross and at earth. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter where you have came from, no matter how you look, you might stick out in a crowd, you might not stick out in a crowd. But God has placed value on your life. He was willing to send the great gift of Jesus. He was willing to lay down his life with a grueling sacrifice in order to bring a significant victory in a battle that you and I could not win. It was a game where we were on the final lines, and it was guaranteed that we were about to lose. But all of a sudden, someone came in from the sideline. And the Bible describes him partially as a roaring lion, the Lion of Judah, but he also describes him partially as the Lamb of God. Over top of all of that greatness was layered, as he said, God's crazy love. And we all know it. I wonder if we can say it together, if you know it, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the amazing part of that verse is it doesn't stop there. The next part keeps going on. It says, he did not come into this world to point a finger. He came into this world to save, to be a savior, to give us the opportunity to walk past the brokenness and the hurt in our lives and to live in the victory of Easter. And uh, what if nobody was ever grateful I want you to just think for a few minutes before I close off here. What if nobody ever said thanks? Use the illustration if what if this morning you were sitting beside the mother or the father of someone who their son had died, died in one of the world wars fighting for our freedom. And you never said thank you to that mother or that father for the sacrifice they had given on your behalf for freedom and for victory. What if you lived your entire life serving other people and never once, and maybe that brings a little bit of what God could be going through on his throne today. And if you keep reading through that scripture, the very next verse after he says he didn't send his his son into this world to condemn, says, you know what? If you don't believe, you're condemned already. And I believe in two things. I prefer the love of God. But the Bible also tells us of the wrath of God. And if we use that illustration of a son or a daughter who died in the war, and no one ever said thanks, you can imagine God on his throne. So this morning the challenge is to be grateful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. We're constantly as Christians looking for God. Is this your will? Is this your will? Is that your will? There's very few places in the scripture where it says, this is the will of God. And my challenge to each and every one of us this morning is not to walk outside of the will of God in your life and live a life that is not grateful for the things that you have. One of the challenges this morning is to be grateful for those things. And in a practical way this morning, as I finish off, I challenge you to, 
on a daily basis, think of one thing to say thanks to God for. And even as I'm speaking and finishing off right now, just think of one thing and say, God, I'm thankful for this. And then practically at least once of a week, build this pillar of gratitude into your life and find someone that you know or you come across and say something that you're thankful to them for. And then together we can build that pillar of gratitude. And if, that and if we build this pillar of gratitude into our lives, it will change the lives of us, each and every one of us, and it will change the lives of those around us as we build this pillar of gratitude into our lives. All right. I've already gotten the thumbs up from the camera crew, so we're good to go. All right. I get the honor of talking about the second pillar here, which is the pillar of grace. Now, as we're thinking about this word grace, it can mean something different to a lot of different people. And so we're going to play a little game here, not really, but of a person. Keep count of how many there is. Grace can be the name of a person. Okay? I know in my life, I know a couple of graces personally. To some people, the word grace can mean a small prayer that you say before dinner. And some of you will probably do that tonight. But sometimes grace in my family is literally just saying the word grace because we like to eat quick. Okay? Another one, it might be a period of time before you get in trouble for showing up late for curfew. There's that grace period. I tested that period a lot as a teenager. Even to this day, I test it with my wife. I love you. And for some, it's a blessing, right? A blessing or a pleasure and delight. But you see, as Christians, the word grace takes on a whole different meaning. It's all those words and what it means to other people is accurate. But to us, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It is a display of the meaning of the word God's riches at Christ's expense. It's a beautiful, it represents an awesome truth that we avoid a penalty that we deserve while at the same time receiving something that we could never earn. It's God's unmerited favor. It's a coming to the realization that, you know what, I am who I am, not because of what I do, but I am because of the goodness and kindness of God's heart. And I can enjoy peace with him through this grace. You know, there's a story in the Bible that I think that signifies grace so well. And that can be found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Some of you may have heard this story before, but for those that haven't, I'm going to kind of walk you over a briefing of it. There's this man, there's this rich king who was wealthy, and there was a man who owed him around 10,000 talents, which in today's economy would be roughly, you know, 150,000 years of wages. No big deal, right? How he managed to spend that much, and the king, realizing that, would never be able to, this servant would never be able to pay it off, chose instead to give grace and said, I forgive you of all of your expenses. All of your debt has been paid for. You're set free. I don't know about you, but that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
The penalty for sin for us is so much. But the sacrifice at Easter pays for the debt of all of us. We were that person that owes all of that money, never to be able to pay it off in any of our lifetimes in any way. But yet, Jesus extended the grace to us to pay off all of our debt. And that's why Paul says when it's in his writing in Ephesians church, it is, not, it is by grace you are saved through faith. And it can never by, be by anything that you do. You know what, if anybody knew about grace, it's Paul. Paul was going around literally murdering people, murdering Christians, hunting them down and doing terrible things. But yet God chose him and extended grace to him to then become one of the pillars of the church. If that's not grace, I don't know what is. He deserved death. He deserved the same treatment. But yet God extended grace. There's a few other people throughout the history that we can use as an example. There's a man named John Newton. Some of you may know him. For the people that don't, you may know his song, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet thy sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Please extend grace to me for my singing abilities. <laughs> right? So we all kind of, by the end, caught on. It's like a New Year's song. A lot of people know that. But what we may not know about John Newton is that he was in the slave trade. This man was involved with uh, shipping slaves to other areas. He was, a, he was considered maybe an awful man. Did terrible things. But then at a moment where he was at sea, he, was, he prayed out to God where he could, have been, he could have died. And in that moment, he had a God encounter. And his life was changed. And God used a man who was a wretch and allowed him to see how by extending grace but, I mean, that was a long time ago. That could, what about present days? Well, in a more recent time, there was a man named Nicky Cruz. I love this story. The story of Nicky Cruz was a New York thug. He was a man who, who, who was doing terrible things. He was a leader of a gang. He was extending drugs to people and doing terrible things. And then a missionary comes into there, saw in a newspaper, David Wilkerson, some of you may know him, goes and starts telling him about Jesus and Nikki Cruz experienced the grace of God. Did he deserve it for the actions that he did? No. He did terrible, terrible things. But God didn't just see those things. He saw the man himself. He saw Jesus and what he did for us. And when Nikki experienced the grace of God, he changed and he started being part of... Uh, why am I blanking on it right now? Teen Challenge and joined David Wilkerson in this. And he's one of the biggest figures in there and promoters of, of what they did because he experienced it himself. And you know, I could go on for my own personal testimonies of the grace that God's extended in my own life. And I'm sure if I talk to people in this audience, 
They could tell stories of God's grace where they did not deserve it. That is the God that we serve. But you know what? I think sometimes, even as Christians, we forget, I'll put this word, grace, and how important it is for us to live this out. You see, as we start to extend grace to ourselves because God extends it to us, we start to extend it to other people. If we don't freely receive grace ourselves, we're going to be like that other slave who later on didn't extend it even though he was forgiven a much. God's given us so much grace that when we realize how important it is, we learn to extend it to other people. And I don't know about you, but when I start practicing grace in my own life to other people that may not, de- I feel like don't deserve it, <laughs> I feel like I become a better person, a better believer, and more like Christ. And after all, who am I not to extend grace to when it's been given to me so much? I want to leave you guys thinking on two things here before I get off the stage and you're done hearing from me. Is you're one of these two people. Have you ever taken time to discover the depths of grace? Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard about this word grace. I want to challenge you to think about what that means today. And how deep that is for your life. And maybe you're this other person. Think about this. Have you taken advantage of the grace that God has offered you? Let's think about these things together. The great exchange. Stop and consider it for a second. Grace, gratitude. The last one is glorious hope. I could say hope, but you almost have to add that word, glorious hope. Because we hope for some pretty minute things, don't you think? I hope it doesn't rain. I hope the Jets make it to the playoffs. Some of us have high hopes. Um, And sometimes it gets a little bit more serious. I hope I get that job. I hope I get that offer on this home. I hope my marriage works out. I I hope I'm able to pass the exams. I hope all of a sudden it gets important. But for the most of the things that we hope for, in a year's time, we're no longer hoping for that thing. It's already happened. It's already passed. And you ask yourself, What compares to the hope that we have that Jesus came when he died on the cross? He paid the price for our sin. Nothing compares to that hope. Nothing nothing is as important, nothing is as imperative as the price that Jesus paid for our sins, not only for this life, but for the life that goes extended past us. And that is the wonderful thing about Easter. That no matter what happens, no matter whatever hope comes true or not, there is still something that God has done that nobody can take away. This world can't take away in any way, shape, and form. What else is there? The highest possession of hope comes at the cross and at the empty tomb. Like, I'm always comforted by the fact that no matter how difficult life becomes, no matter how terrible things happen, no matter how sick I get, no matter how broke I get, 
no matter how heartbroken I get, there is still hope for the one who sees Jesus. The resurrection will always bring me back to a place of hope. And Paul, when he's talking in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 19, says, you know, we have this hope. It's kind of like an anchor. It's that thing that kind of goes deep down inside of us, and when the waves are going really bad, we're tossed to and fro, but we're staying in the same place because we got this thing called hope. You know what someone once said? He said, the world offers promises full of emptiness, but Easter offers emptiness or an empty tomb full of promise. How can you deny the hope of a person who serves somebody who has conquered death? And just as, as Glenn had mentioned, he even says, hey, death, where is your sting? Not even to the worst thing that can possibly happen to us that we have that. And that's why Peter says what he says. And, and that's why when I started the passage off, when Peter is talking to a, a persecuted church where they've lost almost everything. And he says, listen, you have a thing which is called a living hope. It's not just a hope. It's not just some kind of wish that you have that is long-term. It is something that is alive and well. Other places call it a glorious hope. Paul, when he's talking to, the Titan, the, to Titus, he says he calls it a blessed hope. When everything is said and done, when everything has gone down, if everything has gone the wrong way, there is still something that Christ has done that the world cannot take away, a glorious hope, and it transcends anything that this life has to offer. So when we come right down to it, and I'm not too sure exactly where you stand or where you sit here or perhaps online where you sit and what is going through your heart, I have three pillars for you. Gratitude. Grace and glorious hope. Someone put it this way. If you know Jesus, you know hope. But with no Jesus, there is no hope. It is the greatest thing that we could ask for in Easter. And that's why we sit here. And that's why we celebrate. It's something that the world can never offer you. It's something that you could never, ever earn. And it's something that you will be eternally thankful for. A thousand years from now, as you are in heaven, if you know Jesus, you will be thankful for what Jesus did because you are there now. Amen? Question is, ultimately, for all of us, and many of us have, have you received this hope? If you're here and you don't know Jesus, or if you're online and you don't know Jesus, all of this is offered to you. There is a God who loved you so much, thought about you before the foundations of the earth that he died a terrible death and rose again so that you could have life to the fullest and hope for an eternal life. God, I just pray that you will be with us this Easter. And as people go home and they celebrate and as they have uh, times of, of uh reflection perhaps go read the easter story i'm not too sure exactly what people are going to do maybe people are going to go home to to a hard situation but lord i want every single person in this place or any single person who listens to this message to be able to walk away and say god thank you for what you've done I know that I might be going through the most difficult time, but there's a hope that can never, ever be taken away. Devil can't take that away from me. And for those people who don't know you, for those people who are sitting 
and are thinking, the Spirit of God is speaking to their heart, and they're saying, okay, so what do I, what do, I do to get this hope? What do I do to know Jesus? Well, you ask him to come in. You make him Lord of your life. You turn away from the sin that is in your life, and you accept the gift that God has given you. And you pray a prayer that goes something like this. Dear Father, I thank you for dying on the cross and raising for the dead to pay for my sin. Please, God, forgive my sin. Lord, I cannot earn heaven. I cannot earn favor with you. But when you died on the cross, you gave me an opportunity to be right with you. So I accept you. I ask you to come in. Be Lord God of my life. Lord, help me to live for you. For those who have accepted that, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to hope. God, move in a powerful way. Whether we have been in the way for 80 years or maybe just eight seconds, I pray, God, that your power will flow this Easter in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.